Welcome to episode eight of Mitts Off. We are joined by defenseman Tyson Berry, another former Leaf turned Oiler, original Colorado Avalanche draft pick, and current Nashville Predator, one of the most authentic guys in hockey and a veteran of almost 800 National Hockey League games. Mitts Off is powered by Sports Interaction, our exclusive betting partner. Get in the action and download the app to get started, 19 plus, and as always, please play responsibly. Hello again. We are thrilled and honored to have on one of my old friends, longtime NHLer, a veteran of 768 NHL games with stops in Colorado, Toronto, Edmonton, currently with the Nashville Predators. We would love to welcome in on our first virtual, coming from Music City, Tice Berry. How you doing, buddy? Guys, I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me, pal. Congrats on your first virtual. Thank you, buddy. And thanks for joining us, man. I guess I got to start here. I got to start with this wedding. You got married this summer. So congrats, first of all. Um, Thank you. Big A-list hockey wedding. I've been to a couple of these in my career. Some of my funnest summer events have been hockey weddings. Can you give us a little insight in maybe some uh, some guest list or location? I know it was pretty secret, but it was obviously pretty cool for you. And it was all over social media. So can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Definitely not. It, it ended up not being super secretive. I think the word got out. We even had, uh, we had some wedding crashers who, who ended up getting in and, uh, having some cocktails with the boys. And, um, it was, uh, in Van on Vancouver Island, uh, down in Oak Bay. And, uh, it was just a really, really fun week for me and, uh, Emma, my wife and, um, our crew, uh, crew of guys we had in and girls. And, uh, it was just really cool to, to kind of bring everyone to the island it's a spot where you know not everyone really gets to go it's kind of they all come into vancouver and they love the city but uh victoria is kind of a different different vibe different uh pace of pace of living so it was cool to get everybody over there and really really fun weekend did you actually have crashers did you get a couple oh, wedding oh, yeah. crashers yeah tell yeah, me we had wedding crashers. like people just snuck they, in uh, just past security whatever played the role uh got in and then uh they blew it they probably could have had a really nice time too but they were like I think they were taking videos of Connor on the dance floor or something. And he was like, Hey, this doesn't feel like family, you know, this feels a little weird. And then, uh, my agent Bane Pettinger went over and he's like, Hey guys, uh, how are you guys doing? How do you know the bride and groom? And they go, uh, Oh, we're, we're, uh, his agent Bane's cousins. And he goes, <laughs> come on, he's like, guys, I'm Bane. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh shit. So he ended up uh, just asking them to politely leave. And, uh, but yeah, there was legitimate wedding crashers. Pretty funny. Wow. Shout out Bane Pedger, Apollo Athletics. Of course, he's got his head on the swivel <laughs> the whole time, eh? He susses that out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was on it. Um, can you tell me about your offseason? Obviously, it came to an end here. And I'm always curious asking guys, you know, has yours changed with age in terms of density and uh, strength of training and what you're doing on off ice? I know a lot of it has to depend on the length of the season that you're coming from. But has that changed, you know, personally for you, the way you attack the offseason as you've gotten older? Yeah, I think even if you look at my last two off seasons or, you know, the year with Edmonton, we went to the conference final and, you know, kind of got a later start at it. Um, and then last year, obviously, we came up a bit short with Nashville, so we didn't make the playoffs. So your your off season becomes quite a bit longer. And um, I just knew with the summer that I had coming up with the wedding and uh, bachelor party and a honeymoon and kind of everything that goes along with that. Um, I took like five days off after the year and just kind of started training again to because July, I looked at July on the schedule, it looked a little busy. So I got out ahead of it. But um, for me, you know, I'm 32 years old and 
just trying to stay, stay limber, just try to keep the body feeling good and, uh, keep the hips moving well. And, um, you know, I'm not probably not doing a ton of, uh, you know, heavy weightlifting and stuff like that. It's lots of cardio, lots of skating and, and just making sure that, you know, when, when it is opening night, my body and my hips are feeling ready to go. You know, I always love going back and prefacing guys' careers as a whole. And if anyone listens to me or listens to this pod, like, you know, I love the minors and love guys that put in their dues, paid their dues, grinded it out a bit. So can you take me back to Cleveland, Ohio a bit and turning pro Lake Erie monsters? I got to show you one of the, uh, props from the set this is a shack bobblehead night in uh in cleveland <laughs> i don't know if you were on the team at this point but it was one of the craziest nights i've had at quick and loans arena because uh sold the place out shack was there i fought bordelow that night and oh, got, my he- oh. got my head pounded in <laughs> but he i got you that night did he yeah I, I, of I the five or six times he got me that that time probably you i remember when you guys were playing you were in Edmonton, I think, and you tagged him one good when he was in Colorado. Yeah, I remember that he, one. He wasn't I got... the same after that one. Yeah, that was a. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I loved playing in, in Cleveland. I thought it was a a great spot um, to kind of turn pro, and we had a great group of guys there: Brad Malone, Calvin Pickard. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, you're kind of getting out on your own for the first time, and uh, yeah, I just I really enjoyed my time in Cleveland. There's some cool cool pockets there, and uh, getting to play out of the quick and loans beautiful rank they love the team there so uh, i had a lot of good memories in cleveland was that a, a battle for you kind of a struggle like i it, it was three calendar years basically for you where it took you to become a regular full-time nhler both years your first and second year pro you spent time going up and down a bit it's not an easy commute travel going from cleveland up and down for denver can you talk about that being you know was that a challenge for you especially yeah. that young in your career kind of that adversity yeah, my first year I was, you know, I had a good good year in the AHL and I kind of got a chance uh, the second half of the year. I only ended up playing 10 games that year, but for whatever reason, they, they kept me up and just healthy scratched me a bunch, which I was kind of fine with. You know, I was getting paid and I was <laughs> yeah, in the NHL. Nice. I, was, I was 20 years old, so that was cool. And then the next year was that lockout. Uh, so everyone was kind of starting the year in the minors. And then I made the team out of that, like, kind of mini camp or whatever they had in January. Um, and so that was, you know, that was, I didn't feel too, um, it was the next year that, you know, I got sent down after Patty Waugh came in as a coach and I got sent down after six games after making the team out of camp. And that's when I was kind of like tested my, tested my resolve a little bit. Cause I felt like I, de- you know, deserved to be there and belonged in the NHL. And, um, you know, I was a bit nervous that maybe coach didn't feel the same way. So, um, yeah, I just kind of had like, uh, I just remember having one really good game. It was kind of like, I got into a, a bit of a FU with our D coach and, uh, he kind of said, show me something. And I remember just kind of going out and I, I think I made a good pass to Stas to tie it up late. And then I got the OT winner and then kind of never looked back after that, but it was definitely, uh, maybe if I hadn't turned it on a little bit, I don't know, you know, you never know how a career can go, but, uh, there was uh yeah, there was definitely a little bit of moment in time in my third year where I got sent down and I was like, Oh shit, like Yeah. You know, am I am I good enough to be in the NHL? Do I belong here? So it was uh I'm I'm super grateful it worked out. 
Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about Patty because you're the first guy that I've talked to. Even when I was playing, I didn't really play with a lot of guys that had experience playing for Patty. And that's like a clear thing when you can look at guys' hockey DBs or whatever it is and see, wow, he went down that third year for X amount of games. Like, what was your and Patty's relationship? What was he like behind the bench? Yeah, he was he was super passionate. Um, I think was only down for six six games that year, but it was early and um you know, I know that Joe, Joe really believed in me and I'm not sure Patty had that same sentiment or whatever, but, um, me and Patty got to a good place eventually. And, uh, I, I enjoyed playing for Patty. He was, he was, uh, intense and, and passionate and, uh, you know, he kind of knew where he stood and if anything ever got, you know, too fiery, he was always, you know, the next day he wasn't holding the grudge. He was coming in at Tabernacle. Uh, you know, he was, he, he had a good, uh, he was a really good motivator too. He had a, he had a way of getting the boys going before the game. That was, uh, it was enjoyable. You had some pretty cool vets there, though, man. When I was looking back at some of those rosters, Jerome McGinley, Alex Tangay, Milan Hayduk, JSG Gare, was that like a cool or intimidating atmosphere for you? Because I know you're not like, you're not that shy. You like to talk. And was that how you were when you were younger? Or were you just more of a sponge, like having those guys around, leaning on anybody? Yeah, I was definitely tried to be a sponge. Uh you know, speak when spoken to a little bit when you're that young. And, uh, but I mean, luckily for me, all those guys you named are, you know, some of the world, you know, most world-class individuals in hockey and made everyone feel pretty welcomed and comforting. And, um, and then you had guys like Shane O'Brien and PA Parento who were, you know, they were funny and loud and kind of, you know, brought the whole room together and stuff. So it was a good mixture of guys. And I was, you know, fortunate enough to kind of get along with both sides and, and learn, uh, learn from everyone. I mean, on the other side of it, you're one of the guys, the only guys I know personally that's went through the arbitration process, went through ARB. And I don't even know personally what that situation looks like. I always used to laugh. My old agent used to say, well, you have ARB rights. And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to ARB, Patty. We're, no one's taking <laughs> me to ARB. But can you walk not only me, but listeners viewers in to like how that process worked for you and how you got to where you did where the contract was signed yeah it's a unique process for sure uh like you said not many guys go through it and i kind of was under the impression that i wouldn't either you know it's kind of a the team and the players kind of like last bluff you know you show up and then right before you go in the room you know you usually hammer something out but uh you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We were we were pretty close before we went into the room. I'm not really sure we needed to go through with it, but um, we did. And luckily for me, it was Joe Sackick who was the GM, and uh, he's, you know, also one of the sweetest people in the world. So he didn't uh, he didn't take a strip off me like you know you hear some stories and you know some GMs and and management can be pretty ruthless. So. I feel like as, as far as it goes, I was pretty, pretty fortunate in the hearing, but it was frustrating to go through it. And I feel like the contract that did before it was kind of left to the last minute. And then this one, we went through the whole process. So I just felt, you know, there was a little bit of, Hey, if you guys don't appreciate what I'm doing here, you know, we can, we can try something else, you know, and, and it, thankfully it didn't come to that. And uh, me and Joe were able to hammer it out on the phone the day after the the arbitration hearing, but I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think it's a long day. It's uh, there's some comparisons that get thrown around that you probably don't agree with. And, um, but like I said, I was lucky I had Joe and then we were able to get something done. You know, I think a few hours before the ruling was going to come out. And, um, I, I was grateful to, to spend a couple extra years in Colorado. 
Dude, that's so cool about Sackett kind of like not taking the shred you approach and like actually kind of having your back. The comparison thing's hilarious. Give me, can you tell me someone that they said and you're, <laughs> you're just like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think you're still playing. I don't want to. There you I go. Need to, I don't need any bad blood. No, but, no, um, you don't have to. You don't have to. Yeah, that's just, so funny. I, I'm though. an off. I'm an offensive defenseman and I'd had some, you know, pretty decent years. And I think the guy that were compared to me had like 14 points or something. And I was like, this doesn't even really make a ton of sense, but yeah, Joe was, Joe was as good as he could have been in that. And um, he's uh, he's a great guy and he's a good person. So I think that's obviously why they're having the success they do there. Yeah. And few and far guys in their careers get to play for, you know, the organization that drafts you for you, the entirety of your career. I always talk to people about how naive I was when I was with Dallas and thinking that I was never going to ever even leave that organization. So when you got traded, when it eventually happened a couple of years later, like what were your, what were your feelings on that? That's the team that drafted you, the team that developed you, you grinded, you spent seven years there you know, thoughts and reactions and feelings to initially to that trade? Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, I mean, obviously the writing was on the wall when they drafted Kale. He was, uh, I skated with him, you know, we played playoffs together and I kind of had a feeling my, my job might've been in trouble there. He was, uh, he was pretty good right off the get go. You know, it's tough. It's like you said, I was drafted there and I spent a lot of development camps, a lot of months in the summer there and, um, you know, got settled in, bought a house, the whole thing. And, became like a second home and uh the first trade is definitely the toughest um yeah it was it was a lot of good friends and good memories and you know missing teammates and the organization and everything so that was tough but um yeah it's part of it and now you know I'm on my fourth team now it, it seems to happen more than you realize and uh but you just got to enjoy the time that you have while you're there you know, you mentioned it. You kind of walked me right into it. I've been wa- watching these kids that come in the league. Kel McCarr is the perfect example of guys that just walk in the league. And these young guys, they don't even need time to adjust anymore. Like, they're just ready to go. Like, they come in in shape, ready to play, ready to dominate. And I just feel like that's changed a lot from the past, from when I got drafted and I entered the league do you kind of see that as a thing too right now? Like these rookies and these young kids that are coming in are just getting better and better and barely even need the AHL time to come in and play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the statistics are on it, but it seems like, uh, but I mean, that's the way the game's gone. It's been going that way for years is, you know, even when I was training, that probably wasn't at the level these guys are at, but they're, they're coming in in great shape and they're coming in with, you know, it's such a sp- such a fast game now and these guys are coming in with all the skill all the speed all the work ethic and um it's impressive it makes for a great product and uh yeah it's just super impressive to see some of the guys that are coming in and making the impacts they are right away because it's it's really not an easy league Uh, you're so right and going back to toronto i think one of the reasons it's not an easy league to play in can be the markets that you play in or end up in and i know you experienced some of that in Toronto, but I live here in Toronto. I've been a Leaf fan my whole life. We got a lot of Leaf listeners. And um, I want to know what kind of you were thinking, especially when you first found out it was Toronto, like you being a West Coast guy. Uh, I know how you BC guys think about Toronto and Ontario, but what were your thoughts initially on hearing that it was the Leafs? It, uh, yeah, full transparency. I was a little confused, just a little, you know, like I, uh, I wasn't sure you know, where I was fitting in there. And, um, I, I got there and I don't think the coach knew where I was fitting in either. So it was a, a bit of a tough, tough one right off the hop, but, 
um, obviously with the players they had there, I was excited to get there and get an opportunity to be on the power play with them and, um, you know, try to try to carve out a, a, a spot for myself. But um, there was no like that's not like I hated the Leafs or anything like that. I wasn't like a, you know, diehard Canucks guy or anything. Yeah. It wasn't uh, no rivalry or anything like that. But yeah, it was just, you know, I was in such a good spot in Colorado and kind of knew my role and was comfortable with what I was doing. And then, you know, to go to a team where you're, you know, Mo was there and Mo put up like 70 something points was running that first unit. And, you know, and then I'm coming in and just trying to figure out, okay, what's, what's my role here? What do you, what do you expect out of me? What am I doing? And I don't know if it was clear, you know, to me or to them where, where I was going to fit in. And, uh, you know, we found a, a bit of success after, you know, coaching change and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was, a, that was a tough move and, and getting traded for the first time and, and getting settled in a new city, which is a lot different than what I was used to was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of things that went into it. Yeah. I mean, the coach that's coaching there has obviously found himself in some hot water again. And I don't really need to assess that situation with Babs and what's happened the last week here. Cause I don't know with every, with everything that happens today, everyone has their own take, their own view, their own opinion on it. But I can't imagine that your time there from the get-go, like you mentioned, would have been made any easier by Babs. It doesn't sound like it was a very inviting, comforting situation to come into in the first place. Yeah, it's, you know, it's tough getting traded. And then, you know, Babs is an intimidating guy and um, he's got his way of doing things and it's different than the way I operate and do things. So I don't think it was a great fit uh, personally for, for myself or for him. And um, that definitely didn't, didn't make it a super smooth transition, but you know, it's a, it's a game. We get paid lots of money to, to battle adversity and, and make the most of things. So um, yeah, I definitely have to take some onus there myself and probably could have played a lot better too for him. But um, yeah, it's, it's funny the things you, you end up fighting against. Yeah. So can you kind of summarize that? I know you only lasted one year there. Can you kind of summarize that for me? Was that you know, generally a positive, a positive experience in your life when you kind of reflect and look back on it after it all? Yeah. Cause I met some, some of my best friends, you know, I still talk to a lot of those guys and a lot of them were at my wedding and uh, great, uh, great people. And I mean, it's, you know, not everyone gets to say they played for the Toronto Maple Leafs and that was a, a cool experience, but um, yeah, it was a weird year too. A game 70, I think COVID hit and then that whole debacle and just a weird weird when I'm looking back on that it'll probably be a a very interesting time in my life from the trade to COVID to everything that kind of ensued yeah. going into the bubble and everything it's a it was a lot in a short period of time uh you mentioned getting to play with a couple of special players one of those is Austin Matthews and I read you know what I will say I'm getting into the, the flights here because I read you sat beside him on the flights but when people ask me what I miss most most about playing in the NHL honestly getting on a charter flight after a game after a big win and all the boys get the sweats on you got a nice meal you're listening to music or movies whatever it is chucking cards around those were some of the most special times for me and I can imagine being on a flight like that with a bunch of those beauties in Toronto and, and having that experience. But can you talk about sitting beside Austin on the flight, if that's even true, first of all? Yeah. Yeah. Me and, me and big Tony sat next to each other. He, uh, I ended up renting Kadri's place. So I got traded for it right across the street from, uh, Austin. And then he would kind of pick me up every day take me to the rink. And we ended up getting pretty close and, uh, sitting next to each other on the plane and had uh, had a lot of fun. He's a, he's a great guy, good personality, and um, lots of laughs. Can you walk us through that free agency process a bit and where how you landed on Edmonton? Yeah, it was 
it was again a weird free agent year with COVID was hitting and we were trying to figure out what was going on with CBA and the cap and everything. And um, we get to free agency and there was a couple offers out there and some, you know, some multi-year ones and stuff, but just looking at the options that I had and kind of the fit again, because coming from Toronto where I didn't feel like, you know, maybe it was the best fit at, at what I'm at, at good at. I was just kind of making that my most important priority and trying to figure out where I, where I could fit in. And uh, looking at Edmonton, they didn't really have a, a number one power play guy. They had some weapons and I just thought, you know what, that might be uh, too good of an opportunity to pass up and um, definitely took a bit of a gamble to, to take a one-year deal. But um I still believed in myself and knew I was a pretty good player and I'd had some, a few good years and had a few left in me. So uh, just, yeah, kind of bet on myself and um, I guess bet on myself, but bet on Connor and Leon too. I just kind of stepped in there and uh, it worked out pretty well. It certainly did, man. You certainly reestablished yourself and you mentioned the power play that had a, a little bit to, to help with it. And let's talk about this power play, man. I working on, TV this year. I got to see it click at 40%, 50% over times. It's a special unit they have, possibly one of the greatest of all time. It's the best power play in the league that I've seen in a long time. I think the obvious factor of what makes it so good is Connor, Leon, the unpredictability of not having much of a system set plays or what it is. But from your angle, from a guy who's been in it and played on it, can you tell me what, why it's so special and what makes it so special and effective? Yeah, I think you know, you've mentioned it, but I think another piece that, you know, won't surprise you that flies under the radar is Nuge. Nuge is always, he's always the guy that gets the kick out. You know, Connor can go through and dance for everybody and, you know, he'll put himself on breakaways sometimes on the breakout, but whenever that shuts down, Nuge is usually the one who's getting the kick out and sometimes not in a great spot. There's guys coming, there's pressure. Nuge is always, uh, he's got an incredible ability to make that little baby sauce or he's always, that second play off the entry is always the toughest to make. And Nuge has like a real knack for just making the right play every time and getting everything set up. And then, um, you know, like you said, Connor and Leon kind of go to work and uh, Himes is a great net front guy. They've got Boosh up top now who's got the bomb too. So I don't see any, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no holes in that power play. They can beat you any which way they can, you know, Himes will grit it out in front. Nuge will, Nuge has got a quick wrister. Connor and Leon are obviously doing what they do. So, what makes that power play good, it seems like they've got all the right pieces in the right places and then they're, you know, they're outworking other teams too, which is, uh, you know, you got that much skill and you're, you're outworking teams, that's, uh, that's dangerous. I'm so glad you mentioned Nuge because he's one guy I talk about more than anyone uh, if you're trying to get away from the Connor-Leon conversation. It, it's years now where I've said he's un, almost underrated. It's just that I don't think you realize the skill he brings to the table on a consistent basis and as a teammate, just like on a daily basis. It's the same guy all the time. He brings it every night, every practice. He's competitive. Don't think he still gets enough credit to the day for the job he does. And you got to witness that firsthand. I'm so glad you mentioned that, man, because he's he's a, he's a special pro, hey? Oh, he's the best. Yeah. Nuggie's, uh, he's just a great person. Uh, yeah, he just gets it. Everything. He's, he's a great dude and a great hockey player. And I think he put up a hundred points this year and, you know, people will say, oh yeah, but he plays with Connor and Leon. Like, I don't know. You watch him play. He's, he, he just always makes the right plays. He does the right thing. He penalty kills, he, he power plays, he's, you know, big minute guy, six on five draws. He's always out there. He's just doing the right thing. And, um, in the dressing room, he's an amazing person too. He makes everyone feel involved and, uh, yeah, 
we could sit here and talk about Nuju all day. Yeah. And I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you a Connor McDavid question because of who he is and what he's done in this league. I got the chance to live with him when he was a rookie, he came into the league. He was, you know, was, was figuring it out, was figuring out life, was figuring out the NHL on and off the ice. But I feel like he's matured. He's grown a lot. He's become super driven and poised and almost stoic. And you're starting to see a little more personality of him. But I kind of wanted to know from you, was there something that you, I don't even say found out about Connor or realized about Connor as a player or a person when you got there, as opposed to when you played against him, you know, your general thoughts about him as, as a guy, I know you ended up getting tight with him as you played there. Yeah. Connor's a great dude. I love Davo. Um, as far as something I didn't, I mean, he's got a great sense of humor. He's, you know, you don't get the media doesn't get to see it, but he's, uh, he's got a good sense of humor. He's, uh, he likes to laugh. He likes to have fun. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't need, we don't need to talk about how good he is at hockey. That's just, it's, it's almost getting outlandish, but, um, yeah, I, I find it unique. The, the one thing of all the great players I've got to play with, you know, Connor, Nate, Austin, uh, I've got to know Sid pretty well. Those guys all have that, you know, they'll, they all have that one thing in common where it's, they're just doing everything they can, whether it's off the ice, on the ice, like their work ethic, their nutrition, they're all doing the same stuff, just trying to do anything they can to get the edge to be the best they can. And uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Connor's certainly leading the way in that. So uh, he's a special player, a special guy. And uh, you know, we're always rooting for him. Um, you have any stories about Connor top of your head? I know he's got the hot tub now. I know everyone's going over there and mingling, but you do you have one in in the holster for me? Any Davo stories? No, I just Davo always hosts the team parties, and he's such a good sport about it. And I just remember we brought a champagne gun over there one time, and CC was trying to hit Mike Smith in the mouth. He was just spraying it all over his ceiling, and it was just like just any sort of respect for my house would be nice. But he didn't really care. He was just laughing like. He's he's a great leader and uh, he does he does a lot for the guys that that you know nobody talks about that kind of goes unnoticed and that's how he operates. So uh, Dave was great and he's uh, those guys are lucky to have him there. I love it, man. And you honestly started talking about it there for a bit, but you got to be one of the only guys, especially a D man that's played with. Let's call it five. Let's call it Ma- Matthews, McDavid, Drysital, McKinnon, Crosby at the Worlds. That was the question I kind of had for you, which you led into was like, you said they were looking for the edge, but is there like a singularity that brings all those guys together? Is that what you think? Are they always looking to push the envelope or is it preparation or, you know, what do you see that kind of assimilates all those guys? I think it's the, the, the dedication. Like, you know, some guys, some guys try, I, I, it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of quantify, but those guys all have that, like, you don't want to say God given because they've all worked for it, but they have that ability that makes them have the ability to be the best player any given night, but they all are working every day to make sure that they are the best player every night. It's uh it's unique They're but they're also dialed in with their nutrition, with their workouts, with their body, their treatment. Um, there's no, you know, for me looking at it, there's no real secret to why they are, as good as they are, but you know, on any given night, any of those guys can kind of take over any game and um, it's by no, no surprise. Uh, we had Jamie Olaxiak on and I asked him other than Davo, who the toughest player was for him to handle in the league. And without even really thinking, he said it was Nate McKinnon just because of yeah. the speed and the skill and the physicality. 
what, you know, what makes him that way? What makes Nate that way? I know it's, it's easy to watch and see how electric he is, north-south lines, how physical, but to have another elite class defenseman talk about, you know, how hard he is to contain is, is says a lot. Is that what you see from Nate? Is he just, just the whole package? Yeah. yeah, He's just a beast. He's got, he's got the mindset. Uh, he's dragging everyone with him. He's, uh, you know, he's got all the talent, all the speed. He's like a horse, but it's his mindset. He just, he'll run right through you. If he can't get around you, he's, uh, He's a serious gamer and, um, you know, he's one of those guys that's doing everything off the ice to, to be as good as he can. And then, you know, you get him into a competition and it's, uh, can be, it can be scary. He's intense. So I think, uh, the intensity is probably what, what puts him in that category. Uh, you must've been sad leaving E-Town. Hey, leaving Edmonton was tough on me for sure. I thought we had a, you know, we'd made some steps here before I went to the conference final and you felt like a big part of that and, you know, felt like I was having a pretty good year and I didn't really think I was on the radar. I'd heard some Eric Carlson rumors. I talked to Kenny and, you know, he kind of told me, Hey, that's kind of the only place you're going to go. If we have a chance to get Eric Carlson, I said, Hey, no, I get it. No problem. And, uh, something came together last minute and, you know, kind of caught me off guard and, um, yeah, I made a lot of good friends there and we were on a good path. So that was definitely tough. But, um, you know, when you kind of start at training camp and you're building and you're building and, you know, you're, you've got that goal of trying to win the Stanley cup and then you kind of, you know, it's just kind of torn from you with, with that. It's uh, it's tough, but um, yeah, I was definitely keeping up with the guys and rooting for them. And um, yeah, it's a, you know, like I said, lifelong friends there. So I'm, I'm always watching obviously to get, to get, to be able to come to a spot like Nashville and, and be able to play here in such a cool city. It uh, softens the blow and, you know, now I'm settling in here and we've, we've signed some of my best buddies and great players and we, you know, we're on the right track here too. So, Definitely, uh, definitely makes it easier. You led me right into it, buddy. Ryan O'Reilly, right? Reunited with with your boy Snook Factor, whatever nickname you want to call him. I had the chance to play with with Snook when we were in junior, and got to be you know good friends ever since. And you guys, you got drafted to de- to to Colorado together, right? Same year. Yeah. So started out with them, um, and now you're back together. What a special guy! What a special person, athlete on and off the ice one of my favorite people man i always tell people he's my one of my favorite players in the league if not can we take some time here to uh to, to honor him and just talk, kind of talk about your friendship and and what you know what you've learned and, and known from him from getting to know him over the years yeah uh factor was i mean he made the team in colorado at 18 and i kind of i came in at 20 and you know he was he was the same age as me but he'd already kind of carved out a path as a guy that people in the room loved and uh, you know, he was 20, but he acted like he'd been there for 10 years and just, you know, I was really fortunate to be able to kind of hang out with him and, and kind of get to see how he operated and see the respect that the older guys had for him. And, you know, obviously I got to, you know, try to take pieces of that and apply it to myself. And um, we ended up being playing partners and he's got a huge passion for music like I do and kind of bonded over that. And um yeah, just let the good times roll when you're with the fact that he's a beauty. He's, uh, I don't think I've met anyone that loves the game as much as he does. He's the first on, last off, and, um, you know, still learning from him to this day. So uh, really grateful to uh, to be able to reunite with him. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those guys you just pick up right where you left off. So uh, looking forward to a fun year here. Yeah, he's the man. And you mentioned music there. You guys are both music fans. Tell me about this. I got um, – here's my second prop – 
we went to the concert with Bane. Bane took us to the Lumineers concert uh, yeah. here in Toronto. And I think this was Wesley's, one of the guys' wives. We, we, did, we had met them. They, they got us the tickets through Bane. So shout out again, Bane Pettinger, um, the man for hooking that up. But uh, got to meet a couple of those guys and watch the concert. They're one of my favorites of all time. Probably top three concerts for me of all time. I saw them at Madison Square Garden when I was playing for the Devils. How did that relationship start? with the Lumineers guys and, um, you know, is there some sort of charity or some sort of initiative that you guys have going to, can you kind of give us an overview of, uh, of everything? Yeah. So I met Wes, uh, for the first time at a Tom Petty show in Vancouver, oddly enough, Trevor Gretzky had met him. They were playing a show in Edmonton and Trevor went down after the show and took a bunch of the band on the ice and skate and showing them, showing them the arena and stuff. And, uh, he'd mentioned to Wes that one of his best buddies lived in Denver. And he's like, Oh, that's where we live. That's where we're from. And he ended up just kind of linking us in a group text. Uh, you guys got to link up whatever. And then we did at a Tom Petty show. He was opening for Tom Petty in Vancouver. He played his whole set and then texted me, where are you sitting? And we had great seats. We're like eight rows back. So we just came and we drank wine and watched Tom Petty, you know, his set and just kind of hit it off. And turns out we lived like five minutes from each other in Denver and ended up just, uh, our wives got along great. And, um, just ended up being a great dude and uh yeah we've been best buddies ever since and he's actually in town right now so we've been hanging for the last few days and um just a really special guy great band like you said and uh it's been a really fun uh, relationship that's so cool man musicians are always unreal i always find that they're so enamored with the fact that we played hockey or we play hockey when we actually think it's way cooler that they're on stage singing playing music but um you spoke about nashville and i, I gotta I'll, I'll end it here Nashville has slowly and quickly at the same time become a hockey town, man. It's got that college atmosphere feel. What a building to play in right downtown on, on Broadway. And I know you got a snippet of playing there last year and I've played there on the road o o over the years, but must be excited to get down there or you are there, but get things going. And can you give us a little uh, synopsis on, on Nashville and, and the Preds this year? Yeah. Uh, like you said, I mean, it's a, uh... Road teams love coming here. We've got that advantage too. You know, we catch them with the Nashville flu every once in a while, but our rink is in such a good location. It's packed every night. The fans are there. They're rowdy. Um, it's great living down here. Neighborhoods are great. And then, you know, I just love the way that the team's headed. Um, Barry Trotz has taken over as GM, and I think he's, you know, his most important thing is culture. Uh, you know, you look at our, our goaltender, I think we have, you know, one of the best, if not the best in the league, and Juice and Lanks and, our decor is good. And I, I don't know, he's just making a lot of great moves. And I think we're, we're going to surprise some teams this year. We're going to be tough to play against. And, um, you know, when you put, when you put a lot of great guys together, it's, uh, you know, it's scary what can happen. So I'm really looking forward to getting started here. For sure, man. Well, honestly, I know, um, I know you got a lot of stuff going on and I'm super appreciative of you, of you, uh, taking some time out of your day and sitting down, man. You truly are one of the good guys in the game. And uh, I know you've rubbed off on a lot of your teammates and friends that we have mutually. So thanks again for doing this year, this man, and, and good luck this year, eh? Well, appreciate the kind words, Gaz. I'd say the same about you. So thanks for having me, and uh, I'll come on anytime. Thanks, brother.